occurred abroad. This persecution scattered the Christians throughout the regions of Judea and Samaria, except the apostles. Then in Acts chapter 9, we read uh, plural in churches throughout Judea and Samaria. But notice in chapter 8, verse number 4. Therefore they that were scattered abroad went everywhere preaching the word. So the persecution scattered the flames of the gospel. Uh, we can follow this through and as you go to chapter uh, 9 and verse number 31. We had one church in Acts chapter 8, but now they're scattered abroad. They went everywhere preaching the gospel, Acts 9 verse 31. Then had the churches. What happened? The gospel has been spread. Persecution uh, spread the flame of the gospel. And uh, then had the churches rest throughout all Judea and Galilee, Samaria, were edified, walking in the fear of the Lord, and the comfort of the Holy Ghost were multiplied. So persecution is multiplying the gospel. You continue to follow this through to Acts chapter 11, and in verse number 19, Acts 11, verse number 19. And it reads, Now they which were scattered abroad upon the persecution that arose about Stephen traveled as far as Phoenice and Cyprus and Antioch, preaching the word to none but Jews only. And now we read here that the gospel comes to Antioch, and Antioch, as we have preached many times, becomes a model church. And this model church then sends Paul and Barnabas to go out into the regions beyond to preach the gospel and to plant churches. So do you understand one church, persecution entered to that church, and now they are scattered abroad. They go everywhere preaching the gospel. Now there are churches throughout Judea and Samaria. Now the gospel comes to Antioch. A church is planted in Antioch. And that church gains a worldwide vision to send the great apostle Paul and Barnabas to plant other churches. And so that's what happened. Christ died, but not in vain. He died for us. He died in our place. Uh, our salvation came through his suffering. And our suffering then is used of God to spread the gospel. Now back to 1 Peter, Christ died. And here has been a very confusing portion of scripture Christ proclaimed in chapter 3 and verse number 19. And it reads of his death after his death, by which also... He went and preached unto the spirits in prison, which sometime were disobedient, when once the long-suffering of God waited in the days of Noah, while the ark was a-preparing, wherein few, that is, eight souls, were saved by water. And so Christ died, and then Christ proclaimed. And my belief is these spirits in prison were fallen angels. And as you look at this, it was related in this particular occasion to the pre-flood era, and the world before the flood was wicked. It's evident that there was great demonic activity in Noah's world, in Noah's day, and, and that influence, that demonic activity brought to the, the world to this place that God was grieved of mankind, and it broke the heart of God. And as the Lord looked upon the world, uh, the world was wicked on every hand, and God uh, was forced then to destroy the world by a flood. The Bible teaches that as it was in the days of Noah, so shall it also be in the days of the Son of Man. And I'm thoroughly convinced uh, our world has gone loony. And you're wondering and looking what's happening in our world today. Why would we in the White House uh, 
hang a, a rainbow flag and why would we have uh, uh, the transgender athlete, athletes uh, and uh, uh, competing and, and why are we having people just almost falling all over themselves in this woke uh, kind of world today and it's almost as if the world has gone mad what's taking place today and I believe that uh, we're living in a day before the return of Christ and much of what is happening today is as it was in the days of Noah. There's a spiritual war taking place for the soul of man today. And after the death of Christ, Christ declared victory over Satan, over his hosts and his suffering again was not in vain. And friend, I got news for you that in all the things that are happening in the world, my Jesus has suffered. He's paid the debt. He's paid the price. He's the victor. I've seen uh, what's going to be the culmination of it all. And my Jesus is the, is the victor. He's uh, the winner. He's the champion. And I'm on the right side with that. And it's because of that suffering that we can proclaim that victory today. We can live in victory because of what Jesus has done for us. We need not live in defeat. Uh, we live victoriously. Uh, go back to chapter 3 and verse number 21. Not only did Christ die and he proclaimed, but he arose. And this is crucial. Uh, the like figure, verse 21, we're into even baptism doth now also save us. And we'll deal with that in just a moment. Not the putting away of the filth of the flesh, but the answer of a good conscience toward God. But this statement, by the resurrection of Jesus Christ. See, death and suffering was not the end. Uh, sometimes we, we're like the disciples. All we see is Christ died. And he's been arrested. And things are not going well. And he's been laid in the tomb. It looks as if the enemy has won the battle. And sometimes in the midst of our suffering, we have that small picture. And all we see is the suffering, but we don't see the end result of that. But the good news is this. Death and suffering was not the end. By a mighty miracle up from the grave, he arose. And the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ is central to the gospel and it's central to our victory here tonight. And, and that resurrection proves the deity of Christ and it proves the power of Christ and it proves the word of God and it proves the very gift of salvation and it proves the victory that we ultimately have over death and it guarantees our resurrection. And so sometimes through the suffering we lose sight of the end picture. We lose sight of the resurrection. Uh, it's kind of like John R. Rice. He was preaching against alcohol, and after he preached against alcohol, there were bars that would be shut down wherever he went. And, and so he left the place, the meeting where he was preaching, and he's walking out into the aisle or the back, uh, uh, the back behind the building, and, and uh, some men approach him, and they tell him, if you don't, stop, if you don't uh, quit preaching on that, we're going to, going to kill you. And he just uh, smiled, looked at them and said, don't you threaten me with death like that. See, he knew that it was to usher him into the presence of the Lord Jesus Christ. It's that suffering of Christ, the death of Christ, and then the resurrection of Christ that guarantees our victory. He arose. And then it doesn't stop with that. Look in verse 22. Christ ascended who has gone into heaven, speaking of Jesus, and is on the right hand of God, angels and authorities and powers being made subject unto him. You see, from death to the exalted position of authority, 
He sits as our high priest, ever living to make intercession for us. See, because of Christ's suffering, we live in that position of victory today. And if God be for us, who can be against us? And all things work together for good to those that love the Lord. And so Christ went from that position of death and suffering to that death proclaimed the victory to up from the grave he arose to ascending to the right hand of the Father. And friend, as we go through the suffering and the difficulties of life, again, this is a reminder, Christ's example, we're on the winning side. He suffered for righteousness' sake. And when we suffer for right, we have the assurance of this victory. Here's the example of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now in the midst of this chapter, there's the mention of Noah. We have the example of Noah. Noah's one of the great men of the word of God. He was faithful in his day. You look in verse number 20. Uh, it introduces in this section Noah to us, which sometime were disobedient, okay? When watch the long-suffering of God, and as we look at the long-suffering of God, we could go back to Genesis chapter 6 and verse number 3. And uh, the Bible says that the Spirit of God would not always strive with man. But if you look at the long-suffering of God in the days of Noah for 120 years, as Noah is preparing and building the ark, uh, that is a testimony of the long-suffering of God. And he's not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. It says, once the long-suffering of God waited in the days of Noah while the ark was a preparing, wherein few, that is eight souls, were saved by water. And so here is Noah, this preacher of righteousness, 120 years. He was obedient unto God. And we know that Noah pleased God by faith. Noah, by faith, prepared an ark to the saving of his household. And that preparation of the ark was the testimony against his generation. It's very clear that Noah, as he prepared the ark, preached the gospel. And the ark is a picture of the gospel. And I think it's very clear in the word of God that Noah suffered in his day. And Noah was rejected and despised by his generation. Uh, he saw a few results. Uh, the Bible says we're in few, that is eight souls. Uh, Noah, his wife, his three sons and their wives, eight souls. That was the extent of it. And it would almost appear that Noah was a failure. And can you imagine that as Noah is preaching that they are laughing, there's never been a rainstorm and Noah's building an ark and uh, the mockery that must have taken place as Noah is warning the world, God is going to judge this world. And I believe as you look at the ark and uh, had the privilege in Kentucky back, uh, I believe in November, of uh, going to this ark, uh, uh, the era replica, it's an amazing thing. You look at the size of that thing, and uh, I believe Noah was preparing an ark, and the availability, the picture of the ark is the picture of Jesus Christ. And the availability is it was the desire of the Lord that the world uh, would know Christ, but yet there was the rejection in Noah's day. He suffered in his day, saw few results. Uh, the life of Noah pictured salvation. The ark is a type of the Lord Jesus Christ. Do you realize this, that judgment is coming? 
And uh, that judgment day is coming, and the answer is the ark, the safety, the Lord Jesus Christ. As judgment comes upon the world, the flood was a picture of baptism. Uh, the flood pictured the death, the burial, the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, look in verse number 21, the, the like figure. That's very important, the like figure, the picture. Whereunto even baptism doth now also save us. And let me just point out, the Bible never teaches baptismal regeneration. It's a figure, it's a picture. And it's a picture of salvation. It's a picture of what Jesus did. Not the putting away of the filth of the flesh, but the answer of a good conscience toward God by the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Uh, see, the, the flood pictured the death of the old. It was a clean break with the past. Uh, the burial with Christ, the buried in the waters. And then the resurrection of the new. Uh, out of the flood came the new world, uh, the new order. Uh, baptism pictures that gospel. It's the figure, it's the picture of it. And may I just say here tonight that baptism is very important. It's the answer of a good conscience. Why did Jesus Christ uh, go to John the Baptist. Jesus did not need to be saved. He was righteous and perfectly holy. That was the beginning of his public ministry. And with that, uh, the Lord Jesus Christ was declaring his obedience to his Father. And there was the voice from heaven that says, This is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. He says, uh, Let it suffer it to be so that all righteousness might be fulfilled. And, and Jesus was doing this in obedience unto his Father. That was the beginning of his public ministry. And by the way, I believe that all of the 12 apostles were baptized, prepared by John the Baptist likewise. And as the ministry of Jesus Christ began and was started, was a very important thing. And it was obedience. It was a public declaration of his intent to follow and obey the will of his Father. And with baptism, we're giving that public declaration of the intent to follow the Lord Jesus Christ in obedience. We are declaring that obedience. It's the answer of a good conscience toward God. I still look back upon my baptism the day before my junior year in high school. It's a precious memory. And deep in the depths of my heart, there was a clean conscience with this. It was a, it was a, a testimony that I was giving to my family, to my friends, that Jesus was my Savior. I kind of looked at my baptism as a, as a wedding ring. And I was saying to that entire congregation, to the friends that had come to observe it that day, uh, I belong to Jesus Christ. I'm married to him. I, I also pictured it like this. I, I walked across uh, the river and I turned around and I burned the bridge behind me. I didn't want to go back to that old way, to that old life. And uh, my old life had died and that was buried with Christ and I've been raised uh, to walk in a new life. And that was the testimony that was given uh, through my baptism. And this is the picture that Noah gave through the ark. And, and so here's Noah who suffered in his day. But I want you to think about this. Do you realize that we're here today because Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. And God could have destroyed the entire world, but he preserved Noah, who found grace. How did he find grace? There's one way to find grace. Grace is through the Lord Jesus Christ. And Noah was preaching the gospel. Noah's faith was in Christ, and the ark pictured that. And 
So Noah looking ahead to Christ and what he would do. Yes, eight souls saved, but look at the result. You see, the seed was sown through the suffering of Noah. The work of God continued forward. So we have the example of Christ. We have the example of Noah. And I want to bring this down to you and I. Because I, I think it's clear. As we await the return of Jesus Christ, there's a spiritual war. There's a battle. I think it's going to cost you something to serve Jesus. But count it all joy. Uh, Christians can expect to suffer. All that live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. 2 Timothy 3 and verse number 12. Uh, Peter said, count it. Our Peter said, uh, think it not strange concerning the fiery trial, which is to try you as though some strange thing happened to you. We can expect that. Christ suffered. Noah suffered. Uh, Old Testament saints suffered. Uh, New Testament saints suffered. Uh, all of the apostles were martyred, I believe, except for John uh, the Apostle. I think he's the only one to die uh, a death after a long life. The others, uh, I, we know that Peter was crucified upside down. We know that James was beheaded and uh, Andrew was pierced through the heart with a, with a, a sword or an arrow and uh, every one of them died martyrs' deaths. They suffered and we read of Stephen that was stoned for the cause of Jesus Christ and we know that Saul was present at the stoning of Stephen and Saul gloriously saved and became Paul the Apostle, but we know that Paul the Apostle was beheaded. And think it not strange, and the Christians of the past have suffered. And the closer we come to the return of Christ, I think just as in the days of Noah, the closer we came to the flood and the time of the end, the more the, the devil put up that battle and the greater the spiritual warfare becomes. So Christians can expect to suffer. Uh, but in that suffering... Christians should remain faithful. Christ was obedient to death. Noah stayed faithful. 120 years. Few results in his day, but he stayed faithful. It's precious to see a saint of God going through great difficulty, but remaining faithful. Faithful. Uh, I thank the Lord we're going to celebrate the homegoing of Brother Whitehead uh, a week from tomorrow. And what a faithful saint, what a faithful blessing. I knew him for now 35 years, and he's been the same. He preaches the same message that he did when I first met him, the same message that he preached from what I understand when he first was called to preach. He pastored for over 60 years. Faithful. It's a blessing, precious in the sight of the Lord. It's the death of his saints. And so we can remain faithful in the difficulties and in the sufferings. But as we see here, through the sufferings, if we remain faithful, Christians will see God work all things for his glory. As we saw in the life of Christ, it was his suffering that proclaimed the gospel and bought our blood or bought our life, bought our soul. Uh, suffering was used to bring about victory. His suffering became our salvation. Noah's suffering led to 
many salvations, ultimately his family, but future generations, and even to us. It was the suffering of the Christians in Jerusalem that led to the churches in Judea and Samaria, led to the church at Antioch, led to the great missionary journey of Paul and Barnabas, and to the planting of multitudes of other uh, churches. And so God uses the suffering for his glory. I want to give one last thought in all of this that's so crucial. You see, Noah had a message for his generation. He was faithful to deliver that message. His message is judgment is coming. He warned his generation. He preached the gospel. Judgment is coming. We have a message to our generation. We have a message to our friends, to our relatives. Our job is to invite them to the ark. That's the Lord Jesus Christ. To invite them to the safety that can be found only through the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's our message. Uh, in proclaiming that message may lead to suffering, but it's in the faithfulness of that message that God is glorified just as he was through the life of Christ and through the life of Noah. I'd like for a moment with our heads bowed and eyes closed and I, I know sometimes we 